Welcome to the Property Voice Podcast, helping you to navigate safely through the world of property investing. Get the lowdown and updates, insights and outcomes on all matters property with a splash of entertainment along the way. The Property Voice, a voice to trust among the crowd. Now, let's get started with your host, Richard Brown. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Property Voice podcast. My name is Richard Brown and as always, it's a pleasure to have you join me again on the show today. Well, Happy New Year! (laughs) I hope you had a great Christmas and New Year break. Uh, Now, to be honest, who was checking on Rightmove on Boxing Day then? Well, apparently, it is one of the busiest days of the year for the site, so I wouldn't be at all surprised if many of many of you were actually checking uh, quietly, at least, <laughs> on your on your phone, perhaps, on, on Right Move on Boxing Day. Well, when I recorded the final episode of uh, 2017, which was in uh, mid-December now, I did say that the festive period is one of the better times of the year to go property shopping in the sales. So I decided to share with you a quick update on my own bargain hunting over the festive season. Did I pull a cracker or was it like a fully stuffed turkey? (laughs) Okay, so the jokes don't get any better, fair enough. So let's just focus on the real issues now and see what happened in my Yuletide shopping expedition then. Okay, so let's get on with this week's featured topic with Property Chatter. Okay, so what I really wanted to discuss today, um, in fact, I was going to dive straight into the next series, as, as you probably recall from uh, where I left off last time. But, you know, given what's happened over the last few weeks, I thought it'd be a good idea just to share some of that experience with you. Um, you know, just to share what, what's been going on with me, really. And maybe there's a few things you could take away yourself uh, as a result of that. So it's not to boast, it is to share learning, I promise you. But essentially, over the uh, festive period, so that's uh, late December and early January, uh, I managed to close three deals. So uh, that was pretty tidy. Uh, Two of them were UK flips and one of them is an overseas buy and hold. And what I plan to do really is just talk you through a little bit of the the deals, uh, just a bit of an overview, a bit of uh, the experience if you like. And there'll be a few takeaways, no doubt, that you could uh, pick up from that. Um, Some of this might be uh, pretty common to you, but uh, I just thought I'd share, I guess. So the first deal I wanted to talk about was uh, is in East Sussex, um, East Sussex that is, on the coast, and it's a lease extension flat. And this was an interesting deal as it demonstrated the value of patience. <laughs> the deal was originally offered to me at one price about a month before Christmas, something like that. But I felt the price was a little bit too high, but I would do, wouldn't I? So I made a counter offer and was then told that the vendor's son who was due to participate in the sale proceeds, objected to the extra discount implied. So the the property was owned by, I think, the son's mother uh, alone, and um, she was looking to sell, and and my understanding was the son was looking to participate or get some money out of the deal. Of course, you know, when I started chipping away at the price, you know, he obviously felt that that was compromising the funds that he was going to be getting a little bit, and, you know, rightly so probably, decided he didn't want to do that. 
However, the property is a, a fairly small converted flat with about 42 years remaining on the lease, so not very long at all. You know, what you normally find is um, less than 80 years is, uh, is, is definitely one trigger point where things become tricky with uh, leasehold properties. And less than 60 years is an even trickier period where only, you know, a very, very, very small number of lenders, if maybe one or two, would even entertain the idea of uh, financing a property with such a, um, a, a remaining lease term. So in other words, it wasn't terribly desirable as an asset for a homeowner buyer as it would be unmortgageable, as I'm alluding to. And it was offered to me at £108,000. It's a two-bedroom, fairly small uh, flat conversion, as I mentioned. But I thought it was worth about 100 k certainly to me. So that's what I offered back, back to them. Uh, and it did seem to have gone away. So never mind, you make offers that you don't always win them. And, you know, you perhaps stay in touch. But, you know, you win some, you lose, you lose more. Is <laughs> probably uh, the reality of being a property investor. But then I got a call from the sourcer who was involved in this deal about 10 days before Christmas. And they said the deal was back on again, presumably as the son realised a bird in the hand and all that. And so I reconfirmed my offer, subject to a viewing, given that some of the photos were missing from the original listing. So I hadn't viewed the property. I'd just gone off some photographs and, uh, and, and you know, I was, I'm, I'm pretty you know conversant with making offers on this sort of basis. So that was fine with me. Uh, but I did have someone go and view the property for me and uh, it became apparent, uh, two things became apparent I guess. The first was the original photos, photographs uh, which were shared by the vendor and passed on to the sourcer and therefore to me were somewhat out of date, a couple of years or so out of date in fact. And so the condition of the property had in fact deteriorated since they were taken. The property had been rented out and I don't think it had been particularly uh, well looked after. There were some stains on the walls and this sort of thing, which made it look a bit shabby. Uh, and the second thing really was um, not all of the photographs of the property were there anyway. So uh, significantly, there was no pictures of the kitchen or bathroom. And when I got the photographs of the kitchen and the bathroom, it confirmed to me that there was actually some work and more significant work required than what the vendor had let, let on uh, was, was, was probably required. Of course, everything was perfect and they're in great in the kitchen and bathroom in great condition, according to them. But no, that wasn't the case. And there's quite significant work that needed to be done. Well, not significant, but a reasonable amount of work that needed to be done. Long story short, we agreed uh, a revised offer of 95500 uh, which was fair given the condition of the property and, of course, the short lease. And uh, they agreed, and so we, we all agreed to move forward. However, I was asked to complete before Christmas. So we're talking about 10 days before Christmas when that was uh, presented to me. Now, in this time, I had to organise a survey, undertake searches, validate all of the inquiries around the lease, you know, get it assigned over to me, this sort of thing. So quite a lot of work, in other words. And surprisingly, my solicitor agreed to work to this timescale. So, you know, um, exchange certainly before Christmas, but on the proviso that the vendor solicitor released their papers within one working day, which, of course, they didn't do. <laughs> So, uh, all, you know, fair play to my solicitor who was up for it, but uh, the vendor solicitor having insisted on an on a exchange before Christmas wasn't really up to it. However, this small detail on the vendor side of not being able to uh, comply with our fairly reasonable request, um, you know, did not stop them, you know, and indeed the source of them pushing for a pre-Christmas uh, close rather. 
Another long story short, we undertook a conditional uh, exchange on the last working day before Christmas, uh, just before everybody went on their Christmas drink up, in fact. Yes, I actually had my uh, solicitor on the phone to me saying, you know, this needs to be done like right now because I am leaving the building. <laughs> it was literally like that. But, you know, not in necessarily my words, the saucer actually described the exchange as the most efficient they'd ever seen. And in fact, I have to agree. My solicitor did a fantastic job and uh, they duly received a very nice Christmas present from me as well. A thoroughly deserved it was as well. So the lease extension um, between the vendor and the freeholder had been pre-agreed at a set price. And uh, I set this as a condition of the exchange. Um, that the uh, the price was fixed, was confirmed in writing, and not only that, that the Section 42 notice was issued by the vendor and indeed to be assigned across to me prior to completion. And this will avoid me waiting uh, two years before I can apply for the lease extension myself. You might be familiar with that kind of ruling. So uh, that's how I kind of do try and do lease extensions. Obviously, you need the vendor to be present. Sometimes then they're absent, so it's not possible. But if they're present, uh, they're still around, they can start the process. And that obviously reduces the amount of time that you need to wait. So a little tip there. And this, this particular project has been funded by one of my private finance backers. Um, an investor themselves and the the GDV or uh, the gross development value or the end value is expected to be around about 155,000 pounds or possibly a little bit more uh, so a tidy gross profit of around about 60,000 or 62 percent but obviously there's a bunch of fees and costs to come off that uh, perhaps more than some people might expect in fact but all the same a very tidy uh, early Christmas present I felt so that was the first deal but it didn't stop there <laughs> The second deal, uh, you, you might, it was actually, it's in Copacabana, which is in Rio de Janeiro in Brazil, and it's a, it's a penthouse apartment. Now, you might know by now that my wife is Brazilian, so we do have a particular interest in her home city of Rio de Janeiro. And we'd recently completed a short-term rental conversion from a rundown apartment in prime Copacabana, or Copa for short, as I call it. She, she's, my, my wife uh, ribs me about the pronunciation because it's terrible, <laughs> but there we go. However, it'd taken us about two years to find this particular property, as we are quite particular in what we're looking for. So when we started looking for another project uh, over there, uh, whilst we're over, we, we fully expected another long wait. But we were wrong. <laughs> My wife was a little bit bored on a day between Christmas and New Year, uh, as I was doing a few uh, odds and odds and ends. So she booked to go and view seven apartments, as you do. <laughs> she came back and she said six of them were truly awful. <laughs> They're her words, truly awful. But the seventh stuck with her as having a lot of potential. So we both went on a second viewing this time. And the apartment was listed as a one-bedroom apartment at around about 750,000 Brazilian reals. So that's local currency over there, which is around about £200,000 currently. Which in the current climate in Brazil is a bit high for a, an apartment, a one-bedroom apartment needing a full refurbishment, which of course this was. And the economy is not so strong at the moment uh, as well. However, this apartment was not 
correctly listed by the agent. And whilst in fact it was a one bedroom apartment in its uh, current layout, it could easily accommodate a second bedroom and indeed a second bathroom to make two ensuite uh, uh, bedrooms in, uh, in quite a large footprint. It had a large terrace as well, in fact, and also we could, we could go up onto the rooftop in this particular case and, and do something nice up there, like a solarium, I think they call it, but basically a, a rooftop uh, sort of sun lounge is, uh, is what we have in mind. So there's quite a lot of uh, potential. So that wasn't kind of mentioned, um, but it gets better. Uh, as it was also a penthouse apartment. <laughs> and again, it wasn't mentioned in the listing that it was a penthouse. Of course, a penthouse apartment gets a premium uh, in Copacabana. So um, I don't know why that wasn't mentioned, but there we go. Um, it was our gain, I suppose. But it gets better still, as there is also a separate studio on the title that is rented out uh, separately and covers all of the building service charge, or the equivalent over in Brazil, for both apartments on its own. Again, not mentioned in the listing, so I don't know what this agent was doing, but um, they weren't doing a great job for the vendor, that's for sure. So um, that, was the, that was the nature of that particular one. And, and the sellers here, they were beneficiaries of a will. Uh, and in fact, it was their aunt. There was a, a, a nephew and a niece, uh, and the aunt had passed away. And, uh, and so they just wanted a quick sale, it seemed. Uh, just wanted to get the money out. So much so that they were, they were looking for a cash buyer and to move quite quickly. So time was of the essence, as they say. And so we agreed to exchange contracts within 48 hours, having agreed uh, a purchase uh, purchase price somewhat below the £750,000, I hasten to add. Which was a bit tight, <laughs> but we managed it. The system is a little bit different in Brazil. It's, it is possible to move that quickly because a lot of the documentation is held. It's a bit like Scottish system. Um, that you know, a lot of documentation is held in advance. It's just passed across to the to the buyer, so um, we could get all the documentation, check it out quite quickly, and therefore we could exchange, and then we could delay the completion a little bit to to sort our funds out and that sort of thing. But part of the process in Brazil is that when you sell a property, you have to provide um, legal ownership or sorry, prove legal ownership, which of course is no different to the UK. However, part of the process of uh, proving legal ownership in Brazil is to have a formal appraisal of the property undertaken if the last one is out of date. I think they last for about three years, something like that, which uh, this one was. It was out of date. So the, they had to go and get a valuation. So that's done by a local official. They come in and basically they put a valuation against the property. It's kind of like a survey. And uh, the valuation came in at 1.7 million Brazilian real. So remember, I was saying it was advertised at seven hundred and fifty thousand. So uh, quite, it was advertised quite significantly below this value, and um, and the reason why it's valued up at one point seven million is it's down to its size and the location, and the fact that it's a penthouse, and of course it's got the added benefit of a studio as well, which are all things that we'd identified in the property listing, which for some reason the agent hadn't. So we bagged it for around forty percent of this valuation figure, which, to be fair, we believe is its correct value after the works have been undertaken that we're planning to do, rather than before. But but hey, so wow, what a result! My, my wife did a great job in identifying this property, and my brother-in-law also helped out with some of the negotiations to make it a, a, a true fa family affair, as it were, because my Portuguese isn't really up to scratch to be able to conduct the negotiations. So I had a lot of help. <laughs> And I could say that my ego was somewhat dented uh, by the fact that my wife managed to find an apartment that was below market value, has added value potential, and also has a standalone income stream with the studio. 
But I decided to take it that she's picked up a thing or two from hearing me bang on about such things every time I do a deal. <laughs> mm. <laughs> she's a very smart woman, to be fair, and uh, you know, so that so that's for sure. So whichever way the deal came about, it's a bit of a gem for sure. Now, given the vendor's position, we're having to pay cash on this one, and we'll refurbish it. Uh, sorry, refurbish the main apartment first of all. Uh, we'll add a second bedroom. We'll add the ensuite and the solarium up on the uh, on the rooftop there. Uh, and, and this will upgrade uh, upgrade the property. Then we'll go and upgrade the studio later on. And we'll probably let out the main apartment on short-term rental basis. It's in a very good location in Copacabana, so it's got year-round sort of rental appeal to holidaymakers. And the studio, well, we could go either way. We could either continue to rent it out long-term. Um, you know, if we're going to upgrade the apartment, we probably need to upgrade the rent, to be fair. Uh, or we could, in fact, offer it as a second short-term rental space for, uh, you know, just, say, couples or that sort of thing who want just a, an easy, fairly low low price, uh, you know, studio apartment in the area. So there we go. That's what we're going to do with that one. So I guess this was my wife's Christmas present, really. I'm not sure if it was my wife's Christmas present to her or my wife's Christmas present to me. I'll let you figure that out for yourself. So the, the final deal that uh, I wanted to share with you was uh, the third deal that uh, happened over the festive period, and that's in Yorkshire. And that's a, a simple semi-detached property that uh, I bought to flip. So we've come all the way from Copacabana to, uh, to South Yorkshire. Uh, so if it's not enough, that what we've done already, uh, I also spotted a deal that came through our property deal tip service. You might have heard me talk about this. Uh, and I use it myself. Um, you know, I've bought a couple of properties by using this very same system, so it does indeed work. This one caught my attention. You know, um, to be honest, it's it's nothing spectacular, and in fact, it's it's rather ordinary, really. It's a it's a three-bedroom semi-detached house in South Yorkshire, so nothing special, like I mentioned. Uh, the property was previously rented out, and uh, it was a little bit tired and in need of a little bit of uh, in need rather of a little bit of TLC. But that's all really. Um, the listing price was showing as offers over £80,000, but that was already significant a significant reduction in price below equivalent properties selling in the area. Obviously, you get a you get a variation in selling prices. So what I always look for in terms of the uh, uh, selling price is what can I sell it for. So I'm looking for the condition equivalent to what I would put it into when I'm selling. So uh, eighty thousand pounds was quite significantly below uh, some of the other properties that were in decent nick that were selling. So I moved quickly, and I managed to secure the property for seventy six thousand pounds without even viewing it. Uh, with a take it or leave it offer before I went on holiday just before the new year. Uh, just to talk about that discount a little bit or that uh, offer price. So 76,000 um, is only 4,000 pounds below 80,000, of course. I mean, they were asking for offers over, so perhaps they were expecting more. But when somebody puts a price in front of you, 80,000 or more, 80,000 seems to be the figure that sticks in your mind. So 4,000 pounds below that or around about 5%, it's just average. It's an average discount. I didn't try very hard. I didn't even go and view it, as you probably just gathered. But I knew it was already a good deal. And that's the point. Um, you know, I could tell from the local uh, comparables that eighty thousand pounds is the listing price. It was already a good deal, so I wasn't going to chip away too hard because you know a lot of the work had already been priced in, if you like, to that that uh, that price. And you'll see why in a minute. Needless to say, I uh, 
uh, I put this offer in without viewing it. And of course, the agent said that they would not accept an offer from someone that had not viewed the property. And you probably come across that you know, yourself. Uh, I've, I, I try it all the time and often I don't get away with it. But I can be quite persuasive rather when I want to be. And in fact, I managed to persuade the agent in this particular case that I was a serious buyer, buy a lot of properties and, you know, I stick to my word and all that good stuff. And um, I was able to convince them. I also paid a non-refundable deposit just as a little bit of hurt money or skin in the game, if you like, in case I backed out. It was subject to survey, so I've got no real risk in that stuff. In that, um, in this sense, so the survey will take place, and obviously, if there's any major issues, then I have the opportunity of walking away. But um, it needs a, a cosmetic refurb and uh, a little work in the garden to achieve the highest end valuation, which is probably around about 125 to 130,000 pounds. So, as I mentioned, you know, um, when it was listed at 80,000 um, pounds, just a little bit of tarting up really um, it could be sold for 125 to 130,000 so that you know the price I pay for it represents around about 50,000 pounds in gross profit uh, before costs are taken into consideration so not not bad for a desktop review and a, a few phone calls and emails is it and this is another project that will be funded by in this in this case a different private investor that I have uh, working with me so again my personal cash outlay on the two UK projects at least is also kept to a minimum which is the way I like to do flips if I possibly can now a friend of mine who is local to the property and so is helping me out, out a bit with some local contacts said who on earth sells their house over Christmas and uh, my answer was well people who need to and in this case, the couple who owned the property were sadly divorcing. So they were they were landlords, and the property was previously rented out. But they're they're, they're splitting up, and they're divorcing, and they just you know decided they I guess they're going to sell the assets and divide the spoils between them how they wish um, you know wish to do that. So it was empty. The property was empty. There was no tenant in it, and it does need a little bit of money spending on it right now. Um, so that's two key things uh, all in one there right there for you. There's some leverage. And some motivation. So the leverage really is that there's, uh, the property was empty and it needed some money spending on it. And the motivation was, well, they're getting divorced and they, I guess they just want to get out and, and get, get some money to move on with their, their lives separately. So uh, that was, I guess, a summary in that particular case. Uh, so the two UK properties I do plan to flip on. I'm not planning to keep them. I always do look at the uh, fallback position though of if I had to keep it, could I live with it? So um, I could. I could live with both of them if I had to. They're not ideal for rental properties in all honesty, but I could live with it. And probably what I'd look to do is rent it out for a period of time and maybe look at the market again in the future. So that would be my sort of plan B. But my plan A is to sell those on. The uh, the property in Copacabana in Brazil is uh, very much a long-term uh, play there. It's a buy and hold. Um, the holiday market in Copa and Ipanema, if you know the area, is um, it's quite buoyant. Um, well, I say it's quite buoyant. It's been going for a bit of a, a doldrum at the moment, but I've got a very long-term perspective and a, a personal interest in the country, so they're the reasons why I'm particularly looking at that one. But, you know, as you can probably tell from some of the figures that I relayed there, that's uh, it's quite a good deal, to be honest. So it's worth, uh, it's worth sinking some cash into that one. 
I do in fact have a fourth offer pending, would you believe, which I'm a little bit less confident on securing now, as there's a few other investors sniffing around as well. Uh, perhaps that's now too far into the new year, uh, and maybe maybe I've kind of missed out on that sort of uh, lull over the Christmas uh, and early January period, and people have picked up again now, and there's been a bit of interest that's uh, been shown in that particular property. So not sure if I'm going to be able to bag that one at the price I want to, but I put an offer forward and we'll see what happens. But this, this really brings me on to the conclusion for today. And um, in case you haven't worked it out already, there are often good deals to be had around Christmas. Uh, but I've also found the same around August as well. And the main reason is the market is quieter. As normal people are busy chilling out and going on holiday and spending time with families and that kind of thing. But I'm not a normal person. <laughs> Don't agree with that too readily, will you? But um, I'm not. I'm not a normal person. And I do like to go shopping in the January and summer sales, I can tell you. And evidence of that is the three deals I've secured. And, you know, who knows? That fourth one might come along as well. So what else can we deduce from these three deals then, besides the timing? Well, all of them had motivated sellers in some shape or form. Deal 1 had a problem with a short lease and a hungry son looking for the funds. Deal 2 was an inheritance with the nephew and niece eager to cash in. And the third was an asset sale due to divorce. And all of the properties were less than desirable in terms of their condition. I go looking for these, by the way. I look for these ugly ducklings and try to turn them into swans. Uh, so they're less desirable to the regular homeowner buyer. Um, you know, people, there are people who like to take on a project, but a lot of people just don't. So when you add up all these things together, the proposition to do a good deal, uh, which is still a win for the seller, I hasten to add, was of course there. And we can find these uh, seller and property circumstances all year round. And in fact, that's exactly what we do with the property deal tip service as well. So it's an all year round service. We don't just offer deals in December and uh, August. But of course, uh, uh, you know, if we add in a, a sprinkling of seasonal quiet time, it does tend to bring more opportunities to the fore, I often find. So I try and keep my powder dry and keep my funds ready to move and act quickly around about December and August each year. Uh, they tend to be good times to go hunting. Uh, but of course, you know, it, you don't have to just wait for those points in time to go and find a good deal. I just find that the, because people are away, there's less competition and often I can get a deal done. So mark your calendars for August and December uh, 2018. And instead of winding down or going on holiday, I strongly suggest you keep your eyes peeled instead. There are bargains to be had in the sales after all. Right, I just wanted to kick off the new year with a, a quick recap on some of my own activity over the past few weeks. Indeed, I'm, I'm talking to you from a hotel in Chicago. I've just come off uh, a ski break in, uh, in Colorado. So my body clock's all over the place. It's kind of the middle of the night. I've got a couple of interviews to, uh, to, to take place in a couple of hours, so I'm not sure what kind of sleep I'm going to get tonight. But that brings me on to really what, what I was planning to do today was to, to launch the, the next series of the podcast, which if you remember just before Christmas, I, I told you is going to be launching uh, today or when you hear this. Uh, and it's all about property technology or prop tech. But I, I promise you it will come next week. Uh, as I say, I'm already interviewing two heavyweights. Uh, from the prop tech arena in a couple of hours time for this series so I'm quite excited about it to be all uh, to be honest with you because it's it's something you you don't hear all that much about in the property community really 
people talk about apps and this sort of thing, which you know you can be used to help you. But there's nobody who's really sharing sort of what's here now and what's coming in the future in terms of prop tech or property technology, which is going to have an impact on both the profitability and indeed the productivity in our property businesses. So um, as I say, I'm very excited about that. I'm looking forward to sharing that with you over the next few weeks. So stay tuned, uh, as they say. But in, in the meantime, that's all this week. Um, I just wanted to share with you a little bit of the experience over the Christmas period. Hopefully there's a few takeaways there and maybe it's just reinforced some things you're already aware of. So that's all great. Uh, but that's all for this week. Uh, and as, you, as usual, rather, you can email me podcast at thepropertyvoice.net if you want to talk about anything from today's show or more generally in property investing. And of course, the show notes are going to be over the website as well, thepropertyvoice.net. And by the way, if I sound a bit hoarse, I've, I've got a bit of a skier's cold, nothing too serious, but it's perhaps affecting my uh, tone of voice today. So sorry if that's affected things a little bit for you, but probably hasn't. It's probably just drawn your attention to it, but there we go. So I just, just draw a line. For now, all I want to say is thank you very much for listening once again this week. And until next time on the Property Voice podcast, it's ciao, ciao. Thank you for listening today. Now head over to thepropertyvoice.net for more inspirational content and get updates through our mailing list. Join us next time on the Property Voice podcast. And if you enjoyed the show, please don't forget to rate us on iTunes.